Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. A massive weekend preview. When isn't it? A massive weekend preview. We've got Tottenham, Chelsea, Juventus, AC Milan, PSG, Lyon. we got Jimmy Conrad in the house. Jonathan Johnson later on. Que go lasso weekend preview begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kego Lasso. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, thank you so much. Please, Jimmy Conrad in the house. Jimmy, how are you, my man? I am doing great, LME. It's just game after epic game after epic game. So I'm excited to break down some of these epic encounters for this upcoming weekend. Epic weekend preview. That's what we're going to call it, of course. And we mentioned a few of the matches that will happen this weekend. There's so much more to come. Jimmy Conrad to give his beautiful charisma, his analysis, his <laughs> betting tips. Jonathan Johnson will join later as well because PSG have a very big game. Uh, when aren't they big for PSG at this point? Uh, but against Lyon, of course. But we begin, let's begin, of course, as we always do, in the Premier League. Uh, it's a London derby, Tottenham against Chelsea. Nuno Spirito Santos started very well, obviously, with some good uh, 1-0 wins. And then a little bit back to reality against Crystal Palace. Um, you know, so there's that side. Tottenham, on the other hand, you know, they have collected one point from the last 15 available. And Chelsea... Um, you know, have been obviously doing their thing as well under Thomas Tuchel, Romelu Lukaku, bringing them to another level. Jimmy Conrad, Tottenham against Chelsea, even though it's pretty early in the season, I feel it's pivotal in regards to how their story will end in May. I think it's more pivotal for Spurs at this moment than Chelsea. I think Chelsea has their identity. I think Spurs are actually chill, still trying to find it under Nuno. Now that they've actually dealt with some adversity, as you mentioned, they won their first three games 1-0, so everything was cruising. Everybody's like, oh, Nuno's the man, including a big win against Manchester City. And then it's kind of fallen apart a bit. Hingman's son is hurt. Harry Kane is back, but is he fully committed? Is his heart completely in it? Or is he still kind of disappointed that he didn't get to make the move? So I think there are a couple things at play here. I will say the last time they played with Tuchel in charge, it was 1-0 to Chelsea at Spurs' stadium. Now, another thing I think we should mention is that both teams have midweek games. Chelsea played on Tuesday and Tottenham play on Thursday in France. That feels a little unfair to Spurs to have to kind of juggle that so quickly right after playing that game in the Conference League. So it's going to be interesting to see you know, how Nuno balances this. And ultimately, I think this is a great first test for him as manager and for the players can they solve these problems and solve them quickly, right? I mean, everybody's going to have a dip in form at some point. Can you minimize those dips? And obviously, can you elongate the highs? And that's always the, the big challenge for, for any, any coach. Now, Chelsea are undefeated in 10 of their last 11 away games. Spurs have won five out of the last six home games. And like that one I said against City, but that was without Harry Kane. So I got to go with, I feel like when Spurs play a big opponent, everything gets a little bit tight. So I got the under two and a half goals for sure. But Chelsea to win an under two and a half goals, which they just did uh, uh, in the Champions League, 
plus 300 is is the value there. That hits a lot under Thomas Tuchel. Just something for everybody to consider. They've only given up one goal all season in all competitions. And and uh, I should mention, too, uh, that Lukaku to score first. Now, he scored three goals for Chelsea. And all three of them have been the first goal of the game. Mm. So, so him to score first is plus 280. Him to score any time is plus 100. I would take a really hard look at him scoring first because he just seems to want to put a stamp on things as soon as humanly possible. Yeah, two things that you said that are key for me. Under two and a half goals, I 100%. I don't see a goal fest here. And Romelu Lukaku, of course, being the protagonist as well. Tottenham have conceded more Premier League goals against Chelsea. That's 103 than anybody else, any other opponents. Well, they've only lost more games in the competition against Man United. So, you know, Chelsea is not really a great opponent for Tottenham, regardless whether it's a home or away. So, Jimmy, I'm liking what you're saying specifically with Lukaku and being a very sort of, uh, you know, not a golfist uh, specifically. You mentioned Harry Kane. you know, he was probably watching Man City and Jack Grealish doing his thing uh, this uh, midweek. Uh, and to your point, you know, thinking other things. Do you do do you think though that you know that needs to go on the other side now, especially because human son obviously uh not fully available? A hundred percent. Obviously Harry Kane, well not obviously if you if you don't know, let me just fill you in so it is obvious for you moving forward. Harry Kane led the Premier League in goals and assists last season. The guy was on fire. He's got neither so far in 198 minutes that he's been on the field. And so that has to change, obviously. For for Tottenham to have any type of success, you need your big number nine up top to score goals. So, I mean, we say the same thing about Chelsea and Lukaku. If they really want to achieve and, and win multiple competitions, he has to show up and play. So, yes, it's it's pivotal for him, especially without Hingman's son available, which I think really hurts them in transition in particular. And I think Eric Dyer could potentially be out. He came out early against Crystal Palace. You know, Tanganga got that that red card. So now they're already a bit depleted in the back line. I'm curious to see how Nuno balances this. I honestly, who's he starting the Europa League? Who's he starting here? What is he going to do to put this together to, to try to get results? I, I think if Spurs fans are being honest, I think they'd be happy with the draw against, against Chelsea. And yeah. I bet you Nuno would take that as well. And not that you go out there with the aim of getting a draw, but you'd be satisfied with it. Obviously you want to play a particular way that you're comfortable with and feel good about too. But but a draw from this Chelsea game, I think, is something they should look at. I just think that Chelsea are too good. And and because they have a couple extra days of rest and to prepare for this, I just think it really puts uh, Spurs uh, behind the eight ball. I'm trying to figure out which, which cliche I should use here. <laughs> no, but it's a good point, though. I think Nuno would be happy with a point, especially as they look to build momentum once again after that loss to Crystal Palace. By the way, Reese James, he had his Champions League, his Euros and Super Cup medals stolen during the Zenit game. Uh, Did he take I, him with him to Zenit? <laughs> what? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure <laughs> if it was from home or if he left them in the little safe in the hotel, but he didn't put in the code. I, I presume that it was, yeah, it was from his home. Our producer. I, I, I assume it's from his home. Yeah, I was just yeah, so They waited all the way till the, they were playing a game. By the way, they were playing at home, so that's pretty gutsy from the, well, let's hope that those medals um, are recuperated for Reese James. Or, right or I'm sure they could make him some more. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's true. I'm sure they can get the old machine out and just clank yeah. out uh, three more. All right, let's talk about the next game. By the way, most of these games that we're talking about in the Premier League are on Sunday, to Jimmy's point, because there was obviously European action for many of them midweek. Sunday 
you know, it's an extra day of rest for some. All right, let's talk about two high-scoring teams. Mm -hmm. uh, I say two high-scoring teams because it's true. Manchester United, I'm sure you're not surprised about it, but West Ham as well. Multiple digits uh, so far this season. As we tape, West Ham obviously haven't played yet against Dinamo Zagreb, so there's a point to that. But Mikael Antonio won't play in this one. We know that because he is suspended due to that late red card in the previous game. Uh, David Moyes, by the way, returning, of course, to his former team. Uh, so that should be an interesting thing. And by the way, uh, James Bench has a great interview with Mark Noble uh, on CBSSports.com discussing, obviously, West Ham's objectives, etc. But as I mentioned, double digits this season so far. West Ham, Manchester United, Man City, and Everton. So, you know, they do like to score. So what do you see here, Jimmy Conrad? West Ham United, who are hosting Manchester United. Yeah, this is a good game. I'm really looking forward to it uh, for a lot of reasons. One, I got to think that Sir, Sir David Moyes, as I like to call him, would like to win this one since I feel like he got a raw deal as United manager, even though he wasn't the right man for the job anyway. But still, it probably feels they wanted sweet. him to fail from day one. Well, I think Sir Alex Ferguson did. I don't think he wanted somebody to come in and, and be better than him, right? I think it was he, just going to be so hard to take over after whoever it was. Yeah, right? for like, sure. you know, for Jesus sure. who'd come in there and be like, Listen, <laughs> I know you can walk on water, but can I, don't you know, take I, I don't even know if Jesus could have won the league with uh, the kind of talent that uh, was at their disposal. At that I'm talking about time. my cousin, by the way. <laughs> 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 now, second to your point, uh, you mentioned uh, the, the past between these teams. West Ham haven't beaten United in almost two years in all competitions. But if you remember, they were very close last season at the London Stadium. Uh, West Ham were up 1-0 in the 65th minute on a Thomas Suchek goal. And then Paul Pogba hit an absolute banger in the 65th minute. And mm. that, uh, that unlocked West Ham a little bit. And they ended up losing 3-1. United got the result there. Now, I have to bring this up because I think it's important. Like Chelsea, United have two extra days of rest in a European competition because West Ham are in it as well. And the hard part is, when I think about Spurs, they have to travel to France, not as far. Now, West Ham have to travel all the way to Croatia to take on Dinamo Zagreb. And I think that does come into play a little bit. Yeah, it's significant. Absolutely. So, so that's, that's interesting. As you mentioned before, no Mikel Antonio, who got a red card in West Ham's 0-0 draw with Southampton. Uh, dude might be arguably the hottest player in the league. Four goals and three assists. So that's a big loss for them. Got to throw this in as well, because Ole Gunnar, if you like him, don't like him as manager of Manchester United. He does know how to win away from home, unless it's against young boys in the Champions League. United are undefeated in the Premier League in their last 28 games, which is insane. And they also, and I have to mention this, they get West Ham in back-to-back -back games. They play them this weekend. They play them again midweek in the League Cup. And that game is at Old Trafford. So we'll see if there's some strategy being played. Like, are we going to roll out? Or, I mean, Mikel Antonio will be able to play in the League Cup game, so I guess that will obviously change West Ham's dynamic going forward. And then from a United perspective, I wanted to have a bit of a conversation with you because we've seen, because they're trying to go to a single pivot so Paul Pogba could be in the midfield a little bit more and go forward, and obviously it's turned out great. He's got seven assists in four games, which is ridiculous. But who's going to be that other player? We've seen Matic, we've seen Fred, we've seen Van de Beek. Uh, is it McTominay's turn? I'm assuming he's healthy if he's going to get a run out there. I think they have to figure out what that best 11 is. And that's, I think, the big question for, for uh, Ole Gunnar moving forward. And then Jaden Sancho, pretty ineffective so far. And obviously, they paid a crap ton of money for this guy. And I knew that at, when they bought him, they, I don't think they thought Ronaldo was coming in. So that probably changed a few of the equations and how they were going to attack. They put him on the right side against young boys in the Champions League. I thought he, would, he looked a little bit busier because, as we mentioned before, Ronaldo does have a tendency to drift out wide left. So if you put him out there, He's going to get kind of blocked up. So I'm kind of curious. 
how they can incorporate and get more meaningful touches with Jane Sancho running at back fours or running at back threes or whatever it is. And I think if they're going to have a lot of success and be a little bit more well-balanced and can a little unpredictable to see for the opponent to, to hurt you on either side of the field and obviously have Ronaldo on the end of things in the box or Cavani, whoever it is, they got to figure out a way to unlock Jane Sancho. That's going to be a big challenge. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And then to just counter that from the West Ham perspective, everything that works for West Ham is in that triangle with Saeed mm -hmm. Benrama and then behind him, Declan Rice, and of course, Tommy Suchek. So to your point, the, the beginning one about the pivot, that's going to be key and allowing players, of course, like Jadon Sancho to be a bit freer. But you make a good point. I mean, they didn't expect Ronaldo to be there and I don't think Sancho did either. So now he's been a little bit quiet. How significant, by the way, is it that... Cristiano Ronaldo uh, is more powerful than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ole out is the hashtag that's been trending this week. I mean, that happens, what, every other week, I think, uh, regardless of what <laughs> season. But that was never the case with Sir Alex Ferguson. Our producer makes a good point. Sir Alex Ferguson had everybody in line. You had a, He managed a lot of stars, right? Eric Cantona, David mm -hmm. Beckham, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo. And now Ronaldo, who obviously knows Ole Gunnar Solskjaer very well on the pitch, of the pitch. I feel that maybe the, the power struggle might be an issue. If Ronaldo isn't happy, I'm just saying this. They lost against young boys. They don't get a win here, Jimmy Conrad. What, what, what do you make of it? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, frankly, I'd be surprised if they don't get a result. I don't know if it's going to be a win, but uh, not to eke out a draw, especially with no Mikel Antonio. I think mm. they'd be kick kicking themselves. And, and if I'm a Manchester United fan... These are the games that, okay, it's West Ham. They are better. They have some confidence. They got some terrific players in their team. But we have to get a result here if we want to actually be title contenders. You look at your calendar, and yeah, the top six or the traditional top six. I don't think Arsenal falls in there. Traditional top five. But, but if you have uh, these games, these are the ones, especially away from home, that you have to grind out something. And that's what actually United's been very good at. And, and because they've been so good at it, that's why I feel like they finished second last season. It's more about getting their home form uh, up to up to snuff. And, and that's where I think they got let down a little bit uh, last year and not being able to contend, not that they were ever going to really win it. Now, to your point about Ronaldo and Ole Gunnar, I think we've been on here enough and talked about Ole Gunnar enough that he feels like he reeks of, I'm a really, really good top assistant coach. Am I the main guy? Probably not. He would have been amazing as the right-hand man for, for Sir Alex. But that's the, making those hard decisions – Solving problems, sometimes in-game problems, is where I think he struggles a bit. And he might have a good tactical plan to start, but when, 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 when shit hits the fan, that's where I think he doesn't have all the answers or doesn't have the courage to pull the trigger on players. You know, like, today, it didn't work. I thought it was going to work. It didn't work. You're out, you know? And, and that's where I think is going to be his next step in his evolution, assuming he can take that next step. Maybe he's hit his ceiling. And I think that's the big fear for United fans is, is this as good as it's going to get under Ole Gunnar? Now, I just want to bring this up really quick because we talk about, oh, if you fire somebody, well, who are you going to bring in? And every time I see Ajax play, I'm like, oh, yeah, Eric Ten Hag. That guy's a beast. And I feel like at some point he's going to be ready to take that step as from, from Ajax as manager to, to a bigger club. And, and I, I think that, that coach is a tremendous coach. So Oh, he he's amazing. Be, I, I mean, listen, Ar Arsenal could use him too, just to throw Arsenal under the equation. I think anybody could. I think uh, I think Barcelona picked the wrong Dutch coach, to be honest with you. Eric That's Ten Hag was the absolute thing. Listen, I just they need, Manchester United need a reaction just for the sake of their fans. And I, this is going to be a tough one. 
mm-hmm. because West Ham are going to be up for it, Antonio or not. So, you know, pick your poison. Jimmy has given you there uh, some really good lines. Uh, well, I'll get, well, yeah, let me give them to you right now. I, 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 I'm kind of looking at value here. United are favorites. I'd say United to win in over two and a half goals. And I say that because West Ham have scored at least eight or two, two goals in eight of their last 10 home matches. There have been over two and a half goals scored in West Ham's three home games. And I just feel like we're going to see goals. And as I mentioned before, the last time they played at the London Stadium, it was 3-1. Man, Man United to win over two and a half goals, plus 150. United to win both teams to score, plus 230. If you are a Cristiano Ronaldo lover, and I understand the guy's an absolute robot, uh, United to win, they have to be exact. Or excuse me, CR7 to score, United to win 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1 is plus 450. So I'm trying to find you some good value and give you a buffet of options to choose from. But that's that's what I'm looking at at the moment, because I, I think that United are going to do it. To your point, they have to have a reaction after losing the young boys. Yep. Uh, like I said at the very beginning, four teams this season so far in the Premier League with uh, double digits and uh, two of them are in this game. So, you know, I agree. I think there's going to be goals here. All right. Let's keep going here very quickly. Liverpool against uh Crystal Palace, the last four Premier League meetings, uh, aggregate scoreline, by the way, 15 to Liverpool, (laughs) 1 to Crystal Palace. Uh, Will Uh, that grow uh, this weekend, Jimmy Conrad? I mean, Liverpool have won their last nine matches against Crystal Palace in all competitions. So that trend in itself is looking nice. Crystal Palace have conceded at least two goals in their last four away matches. This one is at Anfield, where Liverpool are coming off a pretty impressive 3-2 win. I know they had a Bad five minutes there, uh, right ahead of the first half or the end of the first half against AC Milan. But outside of that, I was actually pretty impressed with their tactics and, and their. It just looked like the Liverpool of old, where they were winning trophies. So I like that a lot. Bobby Firmino didn't feature against Milan. Will he get into this one? I'm not so sure. Uh, Sadio Mane, Thiago Alcantara, Virgil Van Dijk didn't start in the Champions League, so I assume we're going to see all them start. Now, this is another fun fact for you, Mane. Whatever you think about Sadio Mane and he misses a ton of chances, he has remarkably scored in each of his last eight matches against Palace. That's pretty ridiculous. Now, obviously, Edouard, who came on and scored two goals against Tottenham, I think will get the start in this one. So I'm curious to see Edouard against Virgil van Dijk. I think we're going to really find out how good Edouard is. I'm feeling under two and a half goals, plus 150. That's it. Mm. Under two and a half goals is plus 150 in this one. And I know that the stats don't really back that up, but I just feel like this one could be tight. In just in general, Sadio Mane to score anytime because I mentioned he likes scoring against Crystal Palace minus 105, but to score first plus 350 and to be the first home scorer. So the only the first Liverpool scorer is plus 275. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I could see a 2-0 here. Just pretty nice, comprehensive, professional performance. Kind of putting Crystal Palace back in their place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You beat Tottenham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're Liverpool, right? Tottenham doesn't win anything. We do. Uh, I like most a lot of score. Liverpool to win 2-0, 2-1, or 3-1. They have to win one of those three score lines, plus 400. Or if you want to swap out Salah for Mane because he likes to score against Crystal Palace, it's plus 500 with one of those three score lines. I'm trying to find some something exotic here. Uh, Liverpool are the heavy, heavy favorites on Caesar Sportsbook. Yeah, I like it. And by the way, Liverpool have had uh, more shots in the Premier League than anybody else. That's 100 by the way. So I'm sure Crystal Palace, to your point, Jimmy Conrad, will wake up to reality a little bit because this ain't no Tottenham. This is a very good team right now that's playing very well. All right. Uh, Producer Des Norris, you want to put up the remaining fixtures here? We got some good ones as well. My Aston Villa against Everton are facing each other as well. This is the return, by the way, of Emiliano Martinez and Jerry Mina 
when Emiliano Martinez saved Jerry Mina's uh, penalty in Copa mm-hmm. America and he was uh, te voy a right. comer I'm going to eat you and that he did uh, we also have uh, Man City against South Hampton yeah. in that I just, one I just want to say that Pep Guardiola and his guys have now scored five plus goals in three of their last four matches so a big rest in peace to Southampton this, this weekend. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, oh, my God. I mentioned Brighton-Leicester. I, I said a few things on HQ this week. Uh, you know, I'm a very big fan of Brighton. I think uh, for all the Super League chatter, all the, yeah, yeah. you know, giant uh, money makers and all the star power, Brighton is a very good team. And they're playing another very good team in Leicester City. That's another Sunday game. But that's your Premier League roundup for the weekend. All right. We're going to... Uh, keep on going here, I believe. Not Let's even a break. No break. Let's talk about Serie A Let's do on it. Paramount Plus. Calcio Cappuccino will be back, but obviously, we have so much coverage here on CBS Sports. Serie A, of course, CBS Sports, Paramount Plus, the home of it. And there's a big one, Jimmy Conrad. Sunday, 245 Eastern, mm-hmm. Juventus against AC Milan. Milan are the team against which Juventus have both lost the most matches in Serie A. That's 51. And the side against which the Bianconetti have drawn the most games in the competition, 54. So, you know, and by the way, they got a good win, Juventus, against Malmo, but they remain winless in the league. Jimmy Conrad, what are you up? I'm just going to look at the stats, look at some numerical trends, as they say. Milan are undefeated. In 25 of their last 27 away matches in Serie A. It's pretty impressive. AC Milan have also kept a clean sheet in seven of their last eight matches overall in Serie A. And there have been over two and a half goals scored in seven of Juventus's last eight games in Serie A. This for me, let's let's leave the numerical trends and get back into, let's say, the emotional side of things. Uh, especially as it stands for Maxi Allegri, who definitely is inheriting a different squad than probably... Maybe even what he imagined. It's just not really... He's not pressing the right buttons. Obviously, he's got to work through the Cristiano Ronaldo situation. And it just... His players aren't necessarily performing for him either. We've seen Chesney now in goal make a couple of mistakes. That obviously maybe would have led itself to different results. Maybe not wins, but draws. This is a must win for Juve. They have to win this game. I think if they want to really seriously contend, they can't drop more points. Especially to a team they're going to be competing against for the Scudetto. Mm. But because of that, because there's going to be maybe this desire, they could lack some patience. You can already see they're getting frustrated quicker than maybe they would be in the past when they were so confident, like, ah, whatever. We we always win the Scudetto. It's what we do, you know, and they figure out a way to grind it out. And that might still happen. But I think this team is just a different mixed bag than maybe what Allegri had in the past to get some of those results. And, And I think he's learning that pretty quickly that he might not have the right mix of players. Now it's up to him, of course, to, to prove his genius as a manager to figure that out. I'm saying all this because Juve is a must win. Milan doesn't necessarily have to win it, but it would be go a long way for them to really put their flag in the ground and say, hey, we're, we're going to contend for the title, which means it's going to be a draw plus 250. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I see, listen, if it's a draw, I see a high-scoring draw. I see goals in this one because there's a little bit of desperation. And by the way, Juventus have conceded goals in each of the last 17 league matches. Only twice have they conceded and more consecutively in Serie A. That was uh, 19 in 2010 and 21 in 1955. So they concede goals. AC Milan, to your point, you know, they're feeling pretty good. I'm wondering about Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Is he coming back for this one? I'm not sure. But they looked good, AC Milan. I mean, Mike Magnon was amazing against Liverpool. But even without Zlatan, they were offering a few uh, power shots there. By the way, 
Uh, Des, our producer, says that Juventus look good against Malmo. Yeah, yeah, but it's Malmo. There's Norris. It's not AC Milan. So that's going to be an important fixture right there. The fact that they're playing against, by the way, my pick, Jimmy, I think they're your pick as well to win Scudetto AC Milan at this point. Um, this is going to be a big one. In terms one. of the value, in terms of the value, LME, I thought plus 1,200 for them to, to win the Scudetto was good. I still think this is Inter Milan's to lose, but yes, continue. Sorry. No, but that was it. That was really it. That was all I was saying. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I still, I don't know. I don't know if you have any final thoughts over this game. And by the time you finish, I will give you my final score. But I feel both teams will score. It's just about, is the desperation for Max Allegri and Juventus maybe their weakness? Because AC Milan might take advantage of it. Yes, I think that uh, Milan, despite being outplayed by Liverpool, I think there's a lot to take away from that game. I thought that they showed that if they're disciplined and can remain patient that they can get opportunities against good teams and obviously them scoring two goals in two minutes at Anfield is something you have to respect so they just are coming off a midweek game where maybe they weren't the better team through the 90 minutes but I think they learned a lot about themselves this season and the type of quality that they can have that first goal that they scored uh, Ante Rabich I mean it was like there was no Liverpool oh my it was like seven or eight passes where Liverpool were we're chasing shadows the whole time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, Ante Rebich hits it first time into... Very dynamic. Oh, I was like, these guys are unbelievable. So if they could tap into that, let's say, for longer periods of time, then they could have a little bit of that special sauce that I saw earlier, saw a little bit last season. Now it's just a matter, can they get everybody healthy? Can they get their talisman? Zlatan Ibrahimovic healthy. When you bring him in, he's got obviously a presence like Cristiano where a lot of things revolve around him. So so does that change the dynamic? Because I really like what Ante Rebic has done so far this season and that nine spot. He's very dynamic. He pulls off the shoulder of center backs. Zlatan maybe used to do that, doesn't do it as much anymore. So it definitely changes what they look like. But, but as we've seen, we've already seen both of those guys play together at the same time. And that's when Zlatan scored the second against Lazio. So there's a lot of options here for the manager, Stefano Pioli. I think he's got a better team at this current moment. But I think that desperation, Juve are going to probably fight and have a hunger that that they're going to have to have if they want to get back into the Scudetto race. I know it's early, but this isn't the same Juve from a couple seasons past where they could struggle for the first month or two and then come back and win and kind of Bayern Munich their way into to winning Serie A again because they can be awesome the next eight months. Not out of the realm of possibility given what he's got at his disposal, but this isn't the same Juve team. Yeah, AC Milan enter this one. Perfect three wins out of three in the league and Juventus the complete opposite. Let's move on. Inter Milan against Bologna. That's Saturday noon Eastern. Bologna have scored in each of their last 10 league away games at Inter. That's 14 goals in total. But Inter Milan under Simone Inzaghi have won uh, their last 17 home league games. Of course, that's the Antonio Conte record as well. What do you see here? Inter Milan at home to Bologna. I think that Inter are going to feel a little hard done by after losing to Real Madrid in the final minutes. And I think that's, a, <clears throat> excuse me, that's a trend that's a bit worrying because they had a lead against Sampdoria the weekend before. Two leads, 1-0, gave it up, 1-1. Then they went up 2-1. You're like, cool, they got a little fight. Then they give it up again and go 2-2. The game against Real Madrid at home, they just needed to, to see out the game. Okay, Thibaut Courtois made a couple of good saves. When they made their push, they couldn't break through. A couple minutes left. Let's not risk anything. Just take the draw and we move on. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't see the game out. That's two games in a row now that they couldn't see out. So I'm curious as to what buttons Simone Inzaghi is going to push. We talk about a, a new manager or a manager we're familiar with. Obviously, he did 
uh, very good work with Lazio over the years. Now he's here with a different collection of players, a different group, and now he has to figure out, okay, we have to reset quickly. We need to forget about everything that happens, you know, to Ted Lasso, it be a goldfish and, and just focus on the task at hand. And, and that's where Inter was very good last season. When they could just focus on Serie A, they did the business and that's ultimately what got them their first Scudetto in 10 years or whatever. So this is a really important game, I think, for a lot of different reasons, but mainly for the manager to make sure he picks the right lineup and obviously is making sure they're motivated enough to go out and get a result because it hasn't been the greatest of weeks because they definitely have dropped some points in both competitions. Well, the people just care about the lines right now, Jimmy Conrad. What do you have for them? Yeah, good question with regard to that. Sorry, I... um. I got so caught up in thinking about uh, Inter Milan and, <laughs> and everybody that's happening. Romantically Just, involved with Inter. Yeah, what yeah. Well, because you make a good point about Bologna, I like Inter to, to win and both teams to score. I think that's some really good value. That's plus 180. Mm. And I, I hope that Lataro can do it. If you want to take it one step further, Lataro Martinez to score, Inter Milan to win both teams to score, plus 320. That's Same thing good. for Ed and It's pretty good, all things considered. I, I like the over here. But that doesn't pay that much. It goes, well, if you want to go over three and a half goals, which feels that that's, ah, they're so good, the bookies are doing that. That's plus 130. If you want to go under three and a half, it's minus 160. So it's tough. I like um, Inter to probably go over two and a half goals. And that's minus 121. Clearly, the bookies think that's a, a good value too. As I mentioned to everybody, do you think that Bologna has enough to score? And as you mentioned, they do have, a good history of scoring against uh, Inter. They always seem to figure out a way to, to get a goal. The last time they haven't scored, well, I guess it was last season, but that was close to the end of the season when Inter didn't have any midweek competitions, could really focus on things. But the, the last time, about a year ago, I guess it was July 5th I'm seeing here, Inter lost at home to Bologna. So they have something there. I think they'll, I think they'll score. So I think that one where they both score, or, uh, Inter win and both teams score plus 180 is, is the one I'd go with. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We're going to go very quick on Roma and Verona because JJ is waiting for us. Uh, they, uh, Verona, by the way, Hellas Verona sacked the Francesco, Xavier de Francesco. So they're facing mm -hmm. the hot and ready Roma, Jose Marino, that Sunday noon Easter. Igor Tudor, one of Pirlo's assistant coaches, he's taking the reins there at Verona. Uh, El Shirawi has been directly involved in seven goals. Tammy Abraham's looking good. What do you see here for your Roma? Very quickly. Yeah, I like uh, Tammy Abraham to score any time, plus 125. I think yeah. that he's going to have some influence here. And even though they have a game midweek in the Conference League, I don't think that's going to really impact it. If any manager out there that knows how to manage multiple competitions is Jose Mourinho. So even though I think Verona will get that, uh, what is that, that new manager bounce? You know, okay, finally that guy's out, this other guy's in. I, it's It seems almost too soon. You didn't even really know what that manager was all about and he got fired. So... It looks like a bit of a dumpster fire. I think Romo will take advantage and continue to lead the top of the table. But I like Tammy Abraham to win. And really, hey, I'll give you the, the two things. If you think Verona can score, two values you should look at. If Roma to, Roma to win, both teams to score, plus 260. And if you think that Roma is going to win with a clean sheet, it's also plus 260. You could bet both of those at the same value and make money. I love it. I love it, Jimmy Conrad. Here's the rest of the fixtures for Serie A this weekend on Paramount+. Plus. By the way, so much action. You can watch it on CBS Sports Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Des Norris will put it up in a second. But uh, just before we wrap up, we're going to take a very 
quick break. And when we come back, Jonathan Johnson will join us for some league uh, action, including PSG against Lyon, he's against Monaco, and the best storylines of the French league. But there you go. There are your fixtures, by the way, for Serie A this weekend. Take a screenshot, do whatever you got to do, but we will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back, everybody, to Kego Lasso, and we welcome, of course, we still have Jimmy Conrad, but Jonathan Johnson with an old school. I love it. Look at that PSG shirt. Very nice. Is that the Ronaldinho one, Jonathan Johnson, or is that is that a little later? What what is that? No, man, this is uh, this this is much older. This much is the original older. the original golden era. Think like High uh, and uh, Leonardo. I mean, I saw Jimmy was wearing a dustbin bag, and you know, figured I'd. Bring up oh the levels of class hurts. That hurts my soul. <laughs> I just wanted to give a shout out to Puma when they actually made good jerseys. Um, the ones that they wear now are terrible. So you mean the advertising ones? Oh, yeah, it's so bad, so bad. Anyway, thanks well, for that. Thanks for that dig, JJ. Appreciate I it. I love it. Well, Jonathan Johnson, I'm repping for both of us right here. <laughs> Navy FC. All right, let's talk about League A PSG. Of course, uh, coming back after that uh, draw against Club Brugge. Jonathan Johnson, now they face Lyon. This is a big game, buddy. What, what, what do you have for us, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, it's a big game for many reasons. Obviously, PSG's most difficult league on fixture so far. It's a big game for Lyon as well because it's not been an ideal start to the season for them. We'll see how they get on. We know that they've got Europa League action as well against Rangers uh, to get them in the, in, in the mood for that one. They're missing Moussa Dembele, so they're going to need him back uh, for the trip to Parc des Princes, I feel. We'll see what happens there. But PSG have their own uh, headaches to contend with. We don't know the severity of Kylian Mbappe's knock uh, from the match against Club Brugge yet. So that will obviously factor into Pochettino's thinking when he debates about how he can try to get Messi, Neymar and Mbappe firing together. And perhaps uh, it's that, uh, you know, he's got one less headache and doesn't have Mbappe to count on this weekend. We know that he will have Angel Di Maria back. Di Maria obviously suspended in the Champions League, but eligible uh, to play in Liga, and he'll make a big difference. Uh, Idrissa Gay will be back as well, and I think he was missed in the midfield. And then obviously another question mark over Marco Verratti as well. So plenty for PSG. Uh, you know, to, to potentially feel buoyed by coming into this match. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a, a, an interesting test because PSG's fixture list so far has been relatively straightforward uh, and Lyon are still finding their identity, their shape under under Boss. So, uh, you know, I think it's a, it's a big game for, for both and an early marker in the, in, the, in the season for these two sides. Okay, JJ, 
You said that Mauricio Pochettino has some headaches or he's going to have one less headache because he doesn't have to choose who's going to start or whatever it is. Is Pochettino creating his own headaches? Because <laughs> it doesn't seem like he, he has gotten the right lineup, but I know that he hasn't had everybody at his disposal. There's a ton of expectation on this team, especially from me. I'll raise my hand and say I, <laughs> I, I've expected better. And, and they just look like maybe they have too many luxury players and not enough players that get in and do the fight because you have to have that balance in a team. And maybe that's what you're talking about with regard to headaches. Yeah, I think that it's fair to say that Pochettino doesn't yet know his strongest 11. But let's also bear in mind that with the transfer dealings that they did over the summer, it's basically a new squad for him. It's not the same squad that he inherited in January. And once everyone's fit and available, he won't have to you know, go with makeshift players in certain positions like a variety as a number 10, for example. The, the, the real crux of the issue is going to be how often he has to do without certain key players because Verratti, you know, we've said it so many times before, he's still so important, still so influential in that midfield. But we also saw the value of Idrissa Gay as well against Club Brugge because he does exactly what you were talking about, you know, gets stuck in, mucks in, uh, you know, re- you know, gets hold of the ball, uh, you know, and, and gives them a real enforcing presence in the midfield. I thought Pochettino could have gone with somebody like a Marquinhos for that match in particular because he... He's, he's so much more of a midfield enforcer than anyone else yeah, that PSG yeah. had out on the field uh, in Belgium. But, uh, you know, I also think that they lack that creativity as well. Uh, and, you know, they still need to, to to solve that. So Pochettino, in terms of the headaches that he has, he just has to settle on an actual 11 that he feels, you know, he can get to function uh, and, you know, perhaps make a, a few difficult decisions along the way because he's not going to be able to accommodate all of those stars, uh, you know, especially when you consider a possible 3-4-3 formation where, you know, you've got uh, Nuno Mendes, who already looks very, very impressive, you know, coming on uh, with a late cameo against Club Brugge. It doesn't look like it's going to be that long before he's uh, installed into that starting eleven. So that's going to be one less position, uh, you know, for potentially one of those uh, luxury players that you were mentioning. <laughs> and that, that's, that's a position that's very needed, I think, uh, in terms of vulnerability for PSG. Very quick question here, JJ. Obviously, this game's uh, at Parc des Princes. What's the mood in Paris after, uh, you know, the midweek uh, loss? And how do, do you think there's going to be a little bit of pressure of the sentiment and the atmosphere as Mauricio Pochettino and PSG get ready for Lyon? I don't think there's necessarily going to be any pressure just yet. There'll be some expectancy. I, I think that the reaction probably would have been a lot worse if they'd lost to Club Brugge, which, to be perfectly honest, give credit to Club Brugge. They absolutely deserve the draw. And I don't think people would have been that stunned if they'd actually managed to sneak the win. They had some good chances. You know, Noah Lang almost scored an absolutely stunning bicycle kick effort, which, you know, I think many people would have sort of wanted to, to have seen gone in, uh, you know, just because it would have been one of the goals of the goals of the competition. So we'll see how PSG deal with that. I don't think there'll be any real, uh, you know, backlash, but there will be uh, an expectancy now that, the likes of Messi, uh, the likes of Neymar in particular, who's been very, very jaded so far this season, uh, you know, will finally step up and, and, and start to deliver. And I think that's one of the the main concerns for PSG at this moment in time, aside from Mbappe and that potential uh, injury that could keep him out for a while. The fact that Neymar is just drifting through games at the moment and, and rarely even registering. And, you know, I had to remind myself a couple of times that he was on the pitch in Belgium and that's not digging him out. It's just you know, saying it as it is, you know, he was not on the ball enough, not involved enough. Uh, and I think that's something that Pochettino absolutely has to remedy as soon as possible. But I think certain players returning to particularly the midfield, uh, you know, will help 
in terms of uh, you know creating clear cut chances for for PSG. And also, if Mbappe is out, potentially opens the door to Mario Icardi as well. So I think the fans will be expecting some sort of show to be put on by PSG against Lyon. Yeah, right. I, I said a loss. Uh, I, I, it felt like a loss. It was a midweek draw. Jimmy, give me that betting tip, baby. There is no betting tip. It's so heavily favored to PSG. I mean, just pick your poison. Uh, really, the values are the, the players that you think might score in this one. Draw 440, though, Jimmy Conrad. What's that? Draw plus 440, though. You don't see a draw? I, I mean, no, I don't see a draw. I mean, very similar to, to Juventus. This is a game that PSG need to, to have. They have to win. Mm -hmm. They need to kind of show some resolve and to be able to rebound in a positive fashion. So... It's so one-sided. I'll come back to it and, and and take a look at that. I actually, though, had a question about Nice. Yeah, let's get into it. Who are they playing today? They're playing Monaco. And, and no, Monaco not looking the same, at least to start the season, as they did last year. I did want to talk about Nice because Christophe Galtier left Lille after winning Liga, which I found still to be perplexing. But I know you have some insight on that, uh, JJ. But, but Nice have played four games, they've scored 10 goals, and have given up zero. So he leaves the league on champs to go to Nice, who are relatively mid-table, and he's absolutely crushing it with them. I actually think they're the favorites and, and uh, should beat Monaco, all things considered. Talk to me about Galtier and, and what he's done so far with Nice. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people were questioning his decision to leave Lille, but I think when you look at the way that the Lille project has gone since they won their title... People aren't really surprised that they're struggling this season. You know, there was a fire sale expected. We didn't see that quite happen uh, in the summer, but we there were there were potential transfers could have gone through at the last minute. Renato Sanchez, had he stayed fit, would have uh, would have left the club. Uh, and you know, there's just a feeling of apathy around Lille. It was quite sad, really, in the build up to that game against Wolfsburg that. Lille were offering tickets around at very cheap prices because there were about 19,000 seats available in wow. the 24 hours before the game. And that's to see the French champions in action, which is really saddening for me as, a, as somebody who's really passionate about, about Ligue 1 and, and French football, uh, French domestic football as a whole. Uh, but, you know, I think Galtier as well, he knew, I mean, he's, he's got very close ties, uh, you know, to, to sporting director at, uh, at Nice Fournier. Uh, and he knew the project that was coming together at Nice. So he was very motivated to, to go there. Something else you have to consider as well with French teams is when they don't have continental commitments, you quite often have these teams that, are, you know, have quite a strong starting 11 with maybe one or two good subs, but they don't necessarily have the strength mm -hmm. and depth to compete mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the continental competitions. Now, Nice are one of those teams where you look at their starting 11, they have some very, very good players now, especially after a good summer transfer window. Uh, and now Galtier is putting those pieces together and they're looking like a, a very good team. I, I'll be honest, I didn't expect them to quite hit the ground running as, the, as they have, but, uh, you know, Galtier coming in, he's... In my opinion, he's he's France's best French coach who who coaches who still coaches in Ligue 1. Uh, you know, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. Uh, and the fact that he's gone to Nice suggests to me that he sees that as being the project, the most credible project uh, in terms of, of challenging PSG over the, the coming sort of three to five years. He could have gone to a club like Lyon. They were interested in him. There was an interview, but he chose Nice uh, and not only because of his links with Fournier, but because of that project that they're putting in front of him, uh, you know, and it's it, it, the early signs are, are, are very positive. Obviously, we'll see how it pans out with the game that's going to be replayed against Marseille. We saw those ugly scenes a couple mm -hmm, of weeks mm -hmm, ago. Mm -hmm. That decision's now been made where it will be replayed at a neutral venue with no fans. But, 
you know, Nice looking very, very good. And the fact that the defense is so tight uh, is something that, that really surprised me, despite the fact that they managed to bring in Toribo uh, on a permanent deal and, and, and strengthen around him as well. All right, very quickly, Jimmy Conrad. I got some bets on that. Yeah, I would say it's crazy to me that Nice are actually the slight underdogs at home against Monaco, who've only won one game all season, haven't looked the same, even though they got Wissam Ben Yedder and Kevin Volland, and I get it. But but uh, Nice to win straight up is plus 170. I'm looking at that. And then really quick about PSG. If they win and both teams score, which I expect, uh, uh, Lyon is very good at hitting the back of the net, but they're also good at, at uh, giving up goals as well, especially in their last two games, which have been wins. So PSG to win both teams to score plus 145 is the best value I can find with regard to that. All right, let's do Lance uh, v. Lille uh, under a minute. Let's see if we can do it. JJ, talk to me about this game and then Jimmy with the betting tips right after. Yep. All right, so Lille, difficult start to the season, uh, you know, for, for obvious reasons. I've never been convinced that Jocelyn Gorvenek was a good coach, uh, in cho- you know, a good choice of replacement <laughs> coach for Galtier. Uh, and that's kind of proving my point at this moment in time. Lance, uh, you know, they've lost a couple of key players over the summer, but they've still managed to keep the the same sort of core of the squad. Uh, I really, really rate Franck Ez. I mean, we're talking about Galtier. Uh, we just talked about Galtier now. I think Ez is potentially the next guy who could follow in his footsteps. Uh, and Lance, uh, you know, I, I, I perhaps fancy them to nick this uh, this derby. Yeah, plus 155 for them to win straight up. Uh, Leo's plus 180. The draw's plus 230. So... I kind of am going with with Lance as well. They're undefeated right now, two wins and three draws, off to a great start. And I think if they could get some points and and potentially win all three against the reigning league uh, champs, that'd be something they could uh, be very proud of. And we'll see. It's 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 a crazy year in Liga. I mean, we have PSG and that storyline, but everything else underneath, it's very competitive. Well, that's a perfect segue because I want to ask one final question to wrap everything up in League A from both of you. Jimmy, let's begin with you. What's your biggest League A takeaway so far? Aside from, obviously, PSG, you can include PSG, but if there's anything else that has struck to you. Uh, well, I'm just going to say that Marseille, my favorite club in Liga, are currently undefeated as well. Shout out to Jorge Sampaioli for figuring it out. Sampaoli. Obviously, some work to do, but uh, yeah, it's been a great start. Ten goals, four or five against, kind of figuring it out on both sides of the ball. Obviously, they got to replay that game against Nice. They were down 1-0 when that thing got canceled. And uh, Dimitri Payet took it upon himself to take on all the fans. I respect the courage. I mean, respect the courage of him to try to do that. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited for Marseille. So that would be flying under the radar of a team we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, I completely agree with Jimmy as well. Credit where it's due, you know, Marseille have really turned it around. Uh, And I think that, uh, you know, there's some very interesting players, uh, you know, sort of coming back into form at the moment. You've got Under, who I think looks very good, both with Marseille uh, and Turkey. You've got Conrad De La Fuente, uh, you know, who's really relishing the, the extra minutes that he's being given in France. Uh, you know, and then you've got, uh, you know, some of the other summer arrivals. Guendouzi as well, I think, has really, uh, you mm. know, come on after, you know, stagnating a bit. So Marseille, definitely a, a big positive. And, uh, you know, we, we've already spoken at length about Nice, who I think, uh, you know, have really impressed me with the way that they've been able to, to hit the ground running. And, you know, Lille being one of the, the, the more disappointing sides. I mean, I would mention Bordeaux here, but I didn't expect them to be, uh, you know, in a, in any way, shape, or form, competitive. Obviously, they got Petkovic for, from from Switzerland, but the club was such a mess, being saved from financial oblivion, uh, that it doesn't surprise me to see them sort of struggling down there at this moment in time. That's a shame, Bordeaux. Uh, such a great. Uh city such a great area in france hopefully the team will recover all right before we say goodbye everybody we'll just quickly discuss la liga some games of interest barcelona granada is on monday by the way but valencia 
Valencia, hot Valencia face Real Madrid at Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern, and Atlético Madrid against Bilbao. Saturday, 10.15 Eastern as well. A few other games. Uh, quick thoughts on La Liga from each of you. Jimmy, anything that uh, sticks out to you? I like Falcao, Rayo Vallecano as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a great know. story. Falcao with the number three shirt. <laughs> yeah, which is weird. He should be playing center back, which would be so amazing random. to see him. But uh, yeah, I like that all the, the teams that are, well, there's four teams. There's quite a few undefeated teams in, in uh, La Liga right now, but we're getting to see some of the best with Atletico taking on Athletic. And then Valencia Madrid. I mean, Valencia... This is quite probably the biggest surprise that, that I've seen under Jose Bordalas, uh, the manager. He's got them with an identity. They've got good spirit about them. This is going to be a really, really big test for them as they take on Real Madrid at home. Madrid obviously uh, lights out so far and doing well under Carlo Ancelotti. Kareem Benzema, five goals, four assists so far in four games in La Liga. So if Valencia can get past this test and at least get a result, then I could see them potentially finishing top six, which I would never would have thought I'd be saying this after – They've been struggling the last two seasons. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been some questionable transfer dealings as well with some of the players that have That's been right. forced out sort of over the last couple of years. Uh, but, you know, it's funny, actually, the the most consistent team in terms of the uh, in terms of a 100% record in uh, in La Liga or Villarreal down in mid-table with three draws mm -hmm. from three games. But, you know, to see Valencia up there, it's, it's great. It's a real throwback to, to the old days of, uh, of La Liga. Real Madrid, kind of hard to, to completely judge them at this moment in time. Yes, all the results are positive. They left it very late against Inter Milan, uh, you know, just about got it done. So this, you know, for me is is kind of their opportunity to set to set down a marker because Courtois did save them a couple of times against Inter. That could have quite easily been a draw or worse uh, for them in, uh, in in midweek. So I'm, I'm keen to see how they how they develop, but I'm happy to see Camavinga has hit the ground running. Absolutely. And it's something to be said about that goal against Inter Milan. Valverde to Camavinga to Rodrigo. That's the future of Real Madrid. All right. Before we say goodbye, I want final thoughts and your goodbyes. Final thoughts from anything. Maybe that was something that we haven't mentioned. Maybe you want to mention again. Jonathan Johnson, why don't you finish us off with your final thoughts as we say goodbye? Sure, because it occurred to me just after we finished the league on chat. Also giving a shout out to Angers, who are doing very well uh, near the top of the table. Nobody expected that. They were administratively relegated uh, over the summer, got a reprieve along with Bordeaux, and now they're up there in the early contention for European qualification with Mohamed Ali Cho. Don't sleep on him. He's a very, very exciting youngster. Uh, English coming through in uh, Ligue 1. We'll see how long he stays in France, but he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on this season. Yeah, and I just want to give a shout out to Atlanta United in Major League Soccer. Obviously had some turmoil with Gabriel Heinze as the coach. They've got that figured out. Their interim coach did a great job, and then they hired Gonzalo Pineda from Seattle Sounders. They've won six out of their last seven. Joseph Martinez is banging in the goals, and now they're quietly working their way back up to the table. They're currently in seventh, but I had to give them some love. They're playing so well right now. They can continue to keep it up. I think they could be favorites to win MLS Cup once again. That's great, Joseph Martinez, a friend of the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for watching and listening to our weekend preview. Follow the Que Golazo podcast on Twitter, Que Golazo Pod. Subscribe to the Que Golazo page on YouTube and hit that notification bell. And, of course, subscribe to Que Golazo wherever you are. Jimmy Conrad, is that Maracas or something? I don't know. Pull it on in the background. I love it. <laughs> But thank you so much, everybody. Jonathan Johnson, make sure that you follow him, John underscore Le Gossip, and Jimmy Conrad on Twitter and Instagram. We will see you next time. Enjoy the action this weekend.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.